Please stand by. Five, four, three, two. Hey, welcome to the One Dive at a Time podcast. I'm your host, Rob Anderson, founder and director of Neptune Warrior, and I run the One Dive at a Time podcast. Got a great show today. I've got an interview with a guy that I used to work with. His name's Rob Gamble, and Rob is setting out on his own journey right now. Both of us got let go from our former employer at the same time, same day, and Rob is still moving towards what that next chapter of his life looks like and what the next chapter of his work life looks like. So very excited about that. But in the meantime, I've been bringing on a tool for our veteran and first responder community called the Gallup Test. It's also known as the Clifton Strengths Analysis or Strengths Finder or Clifton Strengths. There's a lot of different names that it's called, but basically it's a psychometric tool that measures the things that you naturally gravitate to. And you may be asking yourself, so what, why is that important? And, and by the way, I'm going to share my own strengths and what that journey has looked like later on. But I'm probably going to do, I don't know, somewhere between three to maybe five, six, seven, maybe, maybe up to 10 shows total where we are talking about someone's strengths what their, at least their top five strengths are, and how they leverage that in either their work life, in their daily life, their volunteer life. I'm going to have several people on that talk about how they leverage it with learning more about diving. And it, it is one of the tools that I've been using with my divers that I'm working with so that they better understand how do I learn better diving, how do I develop those diving techniques, and then transfer those from the diving world into my everyday life. And of course, you know, that's, that's my big mission is taking the world of diving and moving it into other usable areas, whether that's work, family, spiritual, whatever it happens to be. But we know a few things, and, and Gallup, it may be new to you, but Gallup has been around for over 50 years. I find it to be one of the most effective psychometric tools. You know, when we look at other tools that are out there, things like Myers-Briggs, I'm not a big, you know, I'm not fond of Myers-Briggs. I don't, I don't think Myers-Briggs is the, uh, I don't even think it's the end all for everything. I don't even think it's the beginning. Maybe it's a great conversation starter, but I tend to rely on things that are based upon brain science, like Emergenetics. I really dig Clifton Strengths. There's another one that I've started working with, Intrinsics. I think Intrinsics is fabulous. Uh, for not only starting the conversation, but taking you deeper into the conversation. And we're going to talk more about intrinsics later on. But this one, this show is focused on Clifton Strengths. So my interview with Rob is really about discovering what his top five strengths are and how he's leveraging those strengths as he moves on and is finding that he wants to be his own company owner again. So he's owned a company in the past. And then like the rest of us, he winds up in the working world, and now he's on that journey to find something new in the working world. But we know these things about, uh, you know, we really know these things ab- about working within your strengths. We know that people are three times as likely 
to report having an excellent quality of life if they're within their strengths. They're also six times as likely to be engaged in their job or their passion project. We also know that those who are working within their strengths, they look forward to going to work or going to be part of that passion project. Or if they're into diving, right? If you're, if you're learning and leveraging those strengths that you have, then you look forward to those sessions if you're working within those strengths. If you're not, the, the way I look at it like this. So Brooks ran her Clifton Strengths several, uh, actually a couple of months ago. And as I was coaching her on it, one of the things that we found is one of her strengths is, is positivity. Anytime that she works outside of positivity, then she's not comfortable. So let me, let me show you or talk you through what it, what it looks like to work within uh, or give you a metaphor of what, it, what it's like to work within your strength. Let's say that you're going down a road, two-lane highway, out in the middle of desert. For those of us who are in Idaho, maybe we're going out to Wendover. So there's a long, long stretch of desert road, you know, a couple of hours that you spend on. Well, if you're within your strength, you're on the smooth part of the road. Once you start veering outside of that strength, the road gets bumpy and can even become dangerous. You know, you either veer off into oncoming traffic traffic, or you could go over the guardrail, right? So as long as you're in your lane within that strength, doing what you need to do, life is good. So as I talked with Rob, it really brought about the conversation of where, is he, where he's heading to in the next chapter of his life and how he's going to leverage those strengths. Now, by the way, after the interview, Rob and I had a great conversation that I think I'm going to try to get him back here on. And it's really talking about a lot of the frustrations that we have all felt when we've got changes that take place in our life and the responsibilities that we want to, that we want to uphold and things like that. But Rob uh, was, was gracious enough to come on and let me do his coaching session with him. Uh, around what his strengths were, and here is that interview now. All right, here we go. Hey, Rob, uh, welcome to the show, and thank you for doing this. Good talking to you again. My pleasure, Rob. Happy to be here. As I mentioned in the intro to this, uh, Rob and I have worked together for several, several years. I facilitated Emergenetics with him in there uh, at, at, our, at, a former, at a former employer for both of us, and uh, – and, and we just had a chance to run Rob through his, his Clifton strengths, and I wanted him to be one of the first people that I, that I coached on this. And so I sent him out a code for, for the top five. So, Rob, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, it was insightful. It was a lot of fun. Well, cool. Well, hey, so you said insightful. What, what was your first reaction when you saw the report? Um, so when I first got done with it and I looked, I was looking, I pulled up my, uh, strengths insight guide first and I got to looking at it and there was some things in there that, that stood out above, above like the emergenetics. Right. So, um, you know, it tells me that I'm, it tells me that I'm analytical and I'm structural and all that stuff, which, you know, we're all shocked to hear that I'm sure. Um, but you know, it discusses the way, um, that, I, I coach people. It talks about the way, you know, people will come to me for analytical 
uh, you know, analytical research and analytical answers and stuff. And I don't really think about those things too much in my off time. And then, you know, when, when I'm reading it through, re- reading through this uh, report, I'm like, yeah, that, that does fit pretty well. That does seem to match up well with, you know, who I am and, and how I interact with the people around me. Right. So, so your top five are analytical, consistency, learner, restorative, and responsibility. We'll cover each, we'll, we'll walk through each one of those. But I was, I thought it was really interesting on how it did line up with your emergenetics. And I think it just validates, you know, each one is validating the other because on your emergenetics, you know, you're, you're analytical and structural. Right. As, as well as, I mean, and I, I'm trying to remember what your, what your conceptual was. I think your conceptual is right at 20, 18, 19, 20% somewhere in there. 16%. Is it, it was what? 16. 16%. So it's not quite in, on the emergenetics. It's not quite a, uh, a preference, but it's still pretty strong, but your strongest on emergenetics were analytical and, and, uh, structural. And then we'll- yeah, so my analytical is 45, my structural is 36, my conceptual is 16, and my social is 3. Yeah, uh, it, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't get much lower than that on <laughs> social. No, no. But, and, and we'll talk about emerging eggs later because there's a lot of uh, misconceptions with that social being so low. It's yeah, just that yeah it's, it's, not, yeah, it's so- not that I'm an antisocial person. It, that's not what it's saying. Right. But you know, back over onto onto the Clifton analytical consistency learner restorative responsibility. What, was there any part of the report that surprised you? I, I don't think any of it truly surprised me. Um, I thought it was, like I said, it was insightful. Um, it did give more information, but it, none of it came across as shocking. I didn't look at any of it and go, "Oh wow, really? You think that of me?" Right. You know, one of the Number four on the list was restorative. And, you know, your your hobby on the side is it, you build stuff. And, and you, yeah. bas- you basically take things that are broken and, and you make them better. Yeah, in fact, my first uh, foyer into the uh, working world was cars, fixing cars. So you're really good at... Dealing with, dealing with issues, dealing with problems, and figuring yeah. out what's figuring out what's wrong with it. Yep. So, with when thinking of restorative, what are what are some words when you say if you're to describe using restorative, what are words that you would describe yourself with in that? Um. Uh, uh, diagnostic, um, problem solving, uh, you know, in risk analysis. Um, those kinds of things that go along, you know, like, you're, like, you'd, like when we talk about cars, those are things you do when you, you, when you're working on cars, you have to weigh options. You have to look at possible things that could be wrong. Um, you have to be able to identify what chain reaction can come out of that. When you look at, if I'm, if I modify this, what kind of risk is going to come from that? And, you know, to my customer or to whoever's driving the vehicle. And so those kinds of things go into a restorative process. So when you think about the work that you did at a semiconductor company where you're building training and doing analytics, how, how, does, how does that play to your strength? Well, in two different ways. First, I, I didn't start out in training, as you know. I started out as a technician fixing things for, you know, a, a semiconductor company. 
um, which played into me, you know, having been a mechanic. And so it was, you know, that was a very natural progression for me. Um, and then once I moved from that into learning and development, it was look at the learning that's taking place and where it's failing. Why is it failing? How do we fix it? How do we provide a better system? What is the risk for us not succeeding at this? All of those same concepts go into building a training program that go into building, you know, pretty much anything else. You have to account for all of your different modalities. You have to account for how you're going to get there. Who's going to be there? You know, are you are you building a car for the, the you know, a quarter mile track or are you building a car to get to Albertsons and back? Are you building training for HR or are you building training for technician? All those same kinds of concepts carry over from one side to the other. When I was in your garage after you fixed my clutch, I remember looking over at the project car that you're working on. Oh, yeah, my Javelin. Yeah. And I, when, when, you, when, you look at, when you look at something like that project, and, and, and we can go beyond restorative here, where do you see your themes coming into play when you're working a project like that? So, well, all of my themes together, first of all, we can look at analytical and consistency, right? Right. Um, you notice the state of that car. The motor is sitting in it, as you noticed. There's no body panels on the car. The car's completely gutted. The motor is sitting in it. The engine compartment has been painted. And that's about as far as I've gotten in the last two years. And we, you know, one can say, hey, looks like you've made a lot of progress. Well, that's not a lot of progress for two years. The reason it's not a lot of progress for two years is because I've got, in my mind, I have analyzed every single nut, bolt, washer, cotter pin on that car, and I know exactly how I want it to go together, but it takes time. It takes a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of money to get the right thing. Right. I'm not willing to go with, hey, this will be close enough. I'm not going to go down to, um, you know, a, an auto parts house and just pick up any engine color. I'm actually ordering a custom engine color to paint the motor. Well, that takes time. That takes money. That takes resources. And that same that same concept exists in how we you know, in how we do training. There's a right way to do it. And it's going to take time. Um, I remember uh, one of the things that always bothered me when when we were looking at training is we would have an engineer go out and give a class and this class could be two or three hours long and then we would record that and put that put that out there and call that training and i'm sitting there going well that's the easy way but it's not the right way that's not what we want that's not how people learn right and it's the same thing on my car i i can do the easy thing but it's not the way i've got it set in my head this is the right thing and, the, and i mean whether it's right or you know whatever is very subjective and opinionated but in my mind, this is the way I see it being done. And that means we're going to take the resources. We're going to take the time. We're going to do it this way. And it's just going to take longer to get there. That's interesting because as you were talking through that, there was two other themes that crept into that, into that, what you just said. And that was responsibility and learner. So I know that along with analytical that you were, you know, like when we're looking for lights for my Jeep, you did a lot of research on that when we were putting the clutch in my Jeep. You did a lot of research around that. And I've also seen you do the same thing in a working environment. Tell me a little more about the learner aspect of you and, and where it shows up in your life. So that's one thing that my wife and most people that are close to me will 
um, sometimes complain about, but at other times, and you know, they kind of appreciate the, that side of me. Um, I, I don't, I don't necessarily like to talk offhand. I like to sit in a room and listen to conversations and analyze things and then go research it, research what's being said, research what's being done, learn from it. Um, You know, if you look at any of my streaming services, whether it's, you know, my Netflix or my Hulu or whatever, almost everything that I watch is some form of documentary, um, historical or science documentaries, Right down to the, I mean, if we go back to my car that's sitting in the garage, it's an AMC Javelin. They don't make those and haven't made those in so long that it's a learning process to even know how to work on it because there's parts on that car that don't exist on other cars. Um, Everything that I like to do requires me sitting down and learning before I do anything. When when you think about sitting down, learning, and, and doing, you know, and, and take, taking those opportunities to, to learn more about it, especially if it's kind of uncharted territories, where are some other areas where you've had to leverage that? Uh, say say when, when you are designing training, if you're doing e-learning or if you're designing reports, because I know that you used to do a ton of reporting stuff. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I used to do in a role previous to the one that we were working in before so in a previous learning and development role, one of the things that I was actually rather, rather well known for and I enjoyed doing was we would get a new a new thing, whether it was, you know, risk analysis or we could or it was uh, failure mode and effects analysis or something like that. And rather than go find an engineer and say, OK, you're an engineer. Now I want you to take the time to learn how to teach this as well. Rather than doing that, I would take it upon myself to go learn that, become a subject matter expert on it, then develop the training that goes along with it, develop all of the course materials and documentation, and then go develop the courses and teach the classes that were required as a subject matter expert rather than just somebody that was scheduling training for some other person to teach. You know, I heard another theme creep in there, <laughs> and that's consistency. And, I, and as you're talking... I would think about some of the changes that would come your way. And it was oftentimes because of the environment we worked in, it was, it was change. And it felt oftentimes it felt like it was change just for the sake of change or because someone else had a whim. What are your thoughts around that? Um, I don't mind change. I like change when it is preempted with information and data that the change is going to be, useful and has valid purpose. Um, Somebody comes to me and says, based on this report, um, we can show that making this change is going to reduce this thing by 30% or or increase revenue by 20% or whatever. Then I'm on board. Let's do it. Um, But change for the sake of change has always bothered me because it's, it's, it's resources that we're, you know, we're putting, we're putting into something that, we can't prove is going to have a, a positive outcome. It may not have a negative outcome, but it's going to be, if it doesn't have a positive outcome, then it's just change for the sake of change. Um, and oftentimes I find that if we're going to do that, then why don't we just, you know, repurpose that effort into something that actually has positive gains. There's something that's going to have a, a return on investment that's worthwhile 
rather than, hey, let's make this change. And now we're all sitting out there in the ether. We're all learning new things. We're all doing new things, but we're not actually fixing anything. We haven't changed anything for the better. Let's make things better. And what you, you've heard me make this statement. And the one that always bothers me is we're making this change because it, the you know this other site is doing this or this other group is doing this. And it, I'm the statement I always come back with is we all need to do the the same thing before any of us are doing the best thing. And, and, you know, we can't go out and say, okay, well, they're doing it their way. I'm doing it my way. And I'm going to do it the best way because that's, I'm going to do it my way because that's the best way. They're sure of the same thing. They believe their way is the best way, but what we need to do is we all need to do the same thing. Once we're doing the same thing then we can make that same thing better. And that's where the consistency comes in. We all start doing the same thing. Then we make the same thing better. But if everybody, you know, if we got five groups of people doing something and they're all doing it their own way, you can't all be doing it the best way. It's impossible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in your daily life, where, are you, where do you see you using your themes right now? Um, pretty much everywhere. Um, you know, I, I, I don't even know if I discuss this with you. Um, cause it's relatively new, but I started my own consulting company and I'm starting to, uh, put in bids for contracts and stuff. Um, and so, I mean, first and foremost, I have to be very analytical. I don't want to go out there and, and do something that's, you know, could be detrimental to my family or to my, my own future. Um, but I also have to know that I'm being, you know, as absolutely efficient as possible. I have to be money efficient because, you know, I'm, I'm, Right now, I'm not I'm not bringing in an income, um, so I have to be analytical. I have to be consistent in those things, right? I, I have to make sure that I'm consistent in how I'm bidding jobs. I have to be consistent in how I'm sending out information and resumes and stuff. Um, I have to research companies. I have to research jobs. I have to research the information and stuff. So there's the learner side of it. Um, I have to look at the. Uh, you know, the companies and their, um, you know, what they do in order to look at the problems that those companies and those industries are facing. Once I understand that better then I, you know, then I can try and help them restore what that, what it is that they're like, you know, whether it's, you know, we have problems with engineering, like right now there's huge engineering, uh, a lack of engineers in semiconductors. And I was reading a really good article about that. And, you know, how do we, from my perspective in learning and development, especially with engineers and technicians, how, how am I going to help these companies fix that problem? Right. And so that's, and that's that restorative side. And then, you know, that responsibility. Well, I don't like being in a position where somebody else has control of my world. Right. And I'm very self-ownership. And so the responsibility of that is, well, if I own my own business and I am doing my own consulting, then I am the one that is responsible. End of conversation. It's always going to be on me. And I mean, Rob, you know me as well as you know a lot of people that I've ever worked with. I want to do it myself because it's the way that I know that it's going to be done. And I know it's going to be done right. I know it's going to be done the way I want it to be done. I don't have to worry about it not being done right. I don't have to worry about somebody else having ownership of it. Um, and that's that responsibility. I own it and I'm going to own it from A to Z every single time. Brother, that's so cool because I hear, I hear responsibility coming in there a lot uh, with that. And, you know, you'd rather be like an owner and not just a participant or an owner 
you know, if we're going to use uh, land ownership as, as a metaphor for that, you know, an owner and not a renter, so to speak, you want to be, you want, you want to be someone that, that people can rely on. Right. So tell me more, tell me a little more about this business and, and feel free to plug it, man. So it's called Tech New Train LLC. So it's T-E-C-H-N-U-T-R-A-I-N, Tech New Train. Um, and I'm right now I'm focusing on developing learning and development systems, uh, curriculum, uh, curriculum development and design uh, for um, companies that are having problems in hopefully and specifically in tech industries and trying to help them understand why, you know, why they might have, be having problems with uh, engineering and, and technical learners. Um, because a lot of people that go into, you know, our field, which is learning and development, they don't come from a technical background. And so they, they don't, I don't think they understand why engineers are, you know, are having problems with the classes that they're taking or why they don't, you know, their technicians are saying, well, I don't need to take this class. You know, so I'm, I'm starting to use a lot of the just-in-time model when I discuss with clients um, where we want training to take place when it's necessary, not just because it's necessary. Um, we need to make sure that what's being trained is critical and just as critical what's not being trained. Um, you, know, I, you know, I think as learning and development uh, teams, we want to do the best. We want to provide the best, but we don't necessarily provide the best to the people that you know, don't think like us. And that's, and that's where I come in is I'm trying to focus on the people who think differently than typical HR populations. Right. Tell me, tell me, tell me about, uh, I mean, the, so the, the kind of problems that you might be, you know, g- give me a scenario where, where someone might be calling you in. So like right now, um, I'm looking at one, um, I'm, I'm trying to submit it. I'm trying to get a bid submitted right now where they have a group of um, IT software uh, engineers that are developing software, but they don't have anybody that really understands the training aspect of that, you know, of, of how we train to that. Not so much training to the software, but they have a problem of getting all of their different engineers trained to the same level in how we, you know, how they're releasing software, how they're developing software and all of those things that go into, you know, what we would typically consider an agile model of software design. Um, they need training for their engineers to actually understand how, you know, how am I supposed to be doing my job? Cause they're really good. Engineers are really good at doing engineering things. Um, but they don't necessarily have the the processes and, and training in place for the engineers to succeed at releasing the software, upgrading the software and things like that. And that's, you know, that's kind of what I'm trying to focus on. So learning curves are okay, but plateaus are not. Correct. Outstanding. Uh, you, hey, one, one of the things I, going back to, you know, conversations a, a month ago, you and I got bounced the same day, uh, invited to go look for, look for new opportunities and yes. I know right away you and I were in sync on let's, you know, let's start trying to find the next thing and let's start trying to improve ourselves. I know I started building online classes, you know, obviously we're doing the, you know, throwing the resumes and things like that out there. But from, 
you know, from the, from the very beginning or when we knew that it was going to happen, I know both of us were invested in learning and improving ourselves. What were yes. some of the certifications? Because I know that you picked up just a ton of certifications to get ready for this next venture in your life. What were some, some of the certs that you knocked out? So the first thing I did was I went out and I took a um, project management class. So I've been doing project management for eight years now, um, which I mean, technically a lot longer, but I started as um, really doing project management for our previous employer um, about eight years ago, but I never got my certification. I had actually taken the PMBOK class and I was getting ready to take my certification class, uh, test. Um, and one of the things that I have to do right now is I have to look at return on investment. And when you start looking at the cost of going and taking those tests right now, that's really expensive. So what I did is I went out and I did some looking and I found that, um, Google learning services has professional certifications that are online and they're done through Coursera. And it cost me, I think it was 50 bucks, 49 99 a month. Um, to take this class. Now the, the caveat is it is all online and it was, you know, it's supposed to be a six month class. I did it in three weeks cause I just hammered down and did it. So I got a certification through Coursera for Google project management. Um, you know, and, and so that's one example of that. And I, you know, I've been working toward um, other certifications. I've gotten several other ones. Um, you know, I've gotten a, uh, a different uh, curriculum de- development design done online. Um, and so I'm trying to get a lot of those things that they're important certifications to basically reiterate the job that I've been doing for the last 17 years. That's cool, man. That's cool. That's again, I hear a lot of, I hear a lot of learner coming up in that. I hear a lot of consistency coming up in that. And I hear a lot of responsibility. Hey, go ahead, go ahead and plug that, uh, your, your website again and your, and so your company. Tech, tech new train. T-E-C-H-N-U-T-R-A-I-N-L-L-C. Um, and I'm actually, last night and today, I was working on my website, getting it up and up and in place. But, you know, like right now, if, if, you, know, if you have any questions, you can always email me at um, Rob. Uh, it's robert.gamble at technutrain.com. Um, and, and, you know, feel free to ask questions and stuff. And I, ultimately, my website's going to have some information um regarding technical training and the mind and development of engineers and technicians and technical minded people, um, as as well as facilities people, because they, like I said, they're not your traditional HR groups. They're not, you know, tax accountants and they're not attorneys and stuff. And so they, they don't, their brains don't work and their minds don't work the same way and they shouldn't, you know, be held to the same training. So. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, thanks for hanging out on this and walking through your, your strengths any any last minute thoughts before before we cut off here about things that you have learned about yourself since looking at those five strengths no um the the one thing i would like to point out is how well it lined up with my emergenetics but it really expanded on and clarified a lot of things right it 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 says that i like to be the one that's responsible um it it says that i like to be the one that's you know relied upon and i I like those things and it, it doesn't just say that I put myself in that position. It it basically calls out that that's what I prefer. I prefer to be the one that is, you know, you know, and you know, go back to the reporting thing that you had mentioned earlier when my group, you know, years and years ago, when my group said that we need somebody to understand 
reporting in Tableau. I just went, okay, well, I'll go take a bunch of Tableau classes. And so I did. Um, you know, that kind of mentality is pretty much ingrained in who I am. And it was definitely well called out in this, this uh, survey that I did. Well, cool. Well, hey, man, thank you so much. So how cool was that? Getting Rob on the show was super important to me. This guy, this is one of the most down-to-earth people I know and is one of the most resilient people I know. And all of those strengths that he has, you can see reflected in his work. When I worked with him on a daily basis at our former employer, when I've you know, had him work on my vehicle, on his side project that... He, on the side projects that he does, it's just, it is so cool to see those strengths all coming into play. And think how powerful that is when not only are you living in your strengths, but you actually know what those strengths are. And you can flex those strengths. After, really after the, the interview, he and I were talking, just chit-chatting on the phone afterwards, and you can still see those strengths coming out, things that you know, he's frustrated with goals that he wants to do. You can see all of that coming about. And I mean, this, again, one of the most down to earth people I know, one of the most humble people, but he's actually, I would put him in that top 10 category of the smartest people. Now, I, I know Rob's listening to this and he's like, no blankety blank way. <laughs> Is that me? He is incredibly intelligent. And he's going to do great things. By the way, that website is Tech New Train LLC. Or, I'm sorry, the company is Tech New Train LLC. And he's still building out his website right now. So he doesn't have that quite ready to share. But I am going to keep you updated, uh, both the podcast and, uh, you know, just in the blog notes and things like that as, as we, you know, wrap things up uh, and review things. Uh, I'll make sure that, that we get that in there. But Tech New Train, be looking for that. Uh, if you need someone to contract, someone to come in, leveraging that restorative quality that he has. If you got something that's broke, even if it's not really broke, but it could be better, Rob's the guy to bring in. Hey, thank you so much. Again, we're going to, to be doing a few more shows like this. We're going to be talking about not only with diving, but also you know things, you know how to leverage your strengths in other parts of your life. Very quickly. I'm about ready to launch an unofficial title of Neptune Warrior Academy or something like that, but I'm going to start launching those training programs very, very shortly. We're going to make those, you know, as we get started on this, uh, on this new venture, I'm going to make sure that, you know, that they're not cost prohibitive uh, as, as we get started. Most of the courses are going to be one hour to two hours a piece, and it's going to talk about you know, things like depression, anxiety, uh, dealing with PTSD, dealing with nightmares, and also how diving and doing a lot of other restorative techniques will really help you out. So that's all I've got for this show. Thank you so much, Rob Gamble. Thank you so much for uh, being the first Strengths Finder, Clifton Strengths interview that I've done on this. I've got another couple of them coming up. Some that you're going to be very interested in because it deals with veteran organizations uh, and how those folks are leveraging their strengths. So until next time, as long as you've got air, you're all right. <laughs>